0: All right, well, let's open up our Bibles, if we can, to the book of Mark, chapter 6. The Gospel of Mark, chapter 6. We're going to be looking at verses 31 through 43 this morning. A uh, familiar passage to us, uh, but I believe the Lord would, would have some, some encouraging things in that familiarity for our hearts this morning. And In order to do that, let's, can we go to him in prayer and let's ask him to, to bless the, the preaching of the word? God we, we thank you for this privilege, um, this privilege that we get to gather as your people. Uh, you Lord, love us and you you want to care for us through your word today. My words will be inadequate to do anything effective, um, but your words are effective. Your spirit is what changes us. your, your, your word through the work of the Spirit is what, Um, enlivens our hearts to faith and to trust and to to hope in you. And so would you come and would you fill us this morning? Fill us with your word and fill us with yourself by your spirit. In your name we pray, Savior. Amen. Amen. Grab a drink here. It's at uh, midwinter. You wake up with your throat like dry. From the heater, uh, Dr. Timothy Laniac, He has made a focus of his study on the motif and the the details of the shepherd in scripture, its meanings, and its rich focus. He took a researching sabbatical in the early two thousands to Jerusalem. I think he spent a year there with a mix of library research and then Interviews and studied and observed as he just spent time out in the deserts among the Bedouin tribe that raised flocks out in the desert, and uh, he's written some fascinating and insightful things on leadership and pastoral work, and of course, Scripture's rich teachings on the uh, the idea of shepherd. In one of his books, he he specifically drills down, down in the value of feeding among the flock and the challenge for the shepherd, and he writes this. One thing I learned during my experience out on the range was that if you care for sheep, you feed them all the time. I was surprised when we moved three or four times throughout the day to make sure that the flocks got the right mix and variety. The obvious concern was providing the flocks with adequate, balanced nutrition. But of course, proper feeding is the issue. The animals get into poisonous plants eat weeds that provide only empty calories, and kill themselves eating trash. I couldn't tell the difference between one form of vegetation and another, but soon discovered that the shepherds have a sophisticated knowledge about their animals' consumption. Every region has its own combination of soil, climate, land formation, and plant communities that the shepherd must master. An early 20th century researcher found that the Bedouin tribes in the Sinai knew the attributes of over 100 plants. They knew which one were good for sheep and which were for goats, which were seasonal, which were perennial, which were medicinal and for what ailments and which animals and which were vulnerable to overgrazing. Clearly, if you care for sheep, you need to know what your flock is eating. As, as you may know, sheep are, are a very uh, interesting animal, a, a helpless animal vulnerable on their own. They must have a shepherd to intently and perpetually care for them all the time, morning, noon, or night. They need to watch over them because they'll fall off cliffs and die. They will get stuck in trees. They will get wounded. They will be stolen. They will be eaten by predators and can be so helpless on their own, they will eat uh, poisonous things like trash and kill themselves. A good shepherd must lead them and feed them. And as we come to a familiar text here in Mark, Mark is painting us this picture of Jesus, his, his identity as the Son of God. And in this unique way, in this powerful way, we get to see the way he, he tends to people, his flock, and he, he feeds them. But before we jump in, I want us to sort of rewind and, and take some time to look at some stories in the Old Testament and build our way into to Mark this morning. We're going to cover uh, a few themes of God's provision through God's leaders. And so we're going to cover a lot of scriptures. just so hang in there and stick with me. We're going to begin with 400 years of slavery. Israel was in Egypt. God's covenant people were then delivered through his power and they were brought into the wilderness to meet with God. And God was going to give him his words. His words of the covenant. And it was there that God spoke his words through the prophet. And if they followed God's word, it would lead God's people into life. And so they're out a couple months into the wilderness and they began to hunger. Israel began to be hungry and they began to, to grumble and to complain. And they were saying things like, Oh, that we had meat to eat! We remember the fish we ate in Egypt that cost nothing. And the Lord heard their sinful complaint and he told the prophet Moses their leader that this was a test and that he would feed them but even Moses was was in this in this tension this impossibility of how could that all of these millions of people be fed he would even pray this shall the flocks and herds be slaughtered for them and be enough for them or shall all the fish of the sea be gathered together for them and be enough for them And the Lord said to Moses, is the Lord's hand shortened? Meaning, is the Lord, is his arm too short that he cannot reach out and do this? And in God's mercy, he does do this. He does this miraculous thing we see in Exodus 16. The Lord says to Moses, behold, I'm about to rain bread from heaven for you. So God gives them bread, which is this thing that they called manna, which is really, it means, what is this? And the Lord provided this fine, flaky substance that would be all over the ground in the morning, and they would bake it into bread. And each and every day, it was waiting for them. God provided each and every day. But when they measured it, Exodus 16 tells us, when whoever gathered much had nothing left over, and whoever gathered little had no lack. Each of them gathered as much as he could eat. There was no lack. God provided bread for his people and God actually provided meat in the form of quail for them as well. They were satisfied. They ate until they were full and yet they would continue to grumble. They would continue to be dissatisfied and complain and yet God would continue to provide for them. And they were in the wilderness for 40 years and God tested their hearts through this time and he tested them that they would so they would keep his commandments. And we actually see in Deuteronomy he tells us why He does this. And in that, he still holds out promises of blessings. This is what it says in Deuteronomy chapter 8. And he humbled you and let you hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. As he told them that that they would keep his commandments and they would enter into The promised land. We pick this up in verse 7. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land of brooks of water, of fountains and springs, flowing out in the valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley, of vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of olive trees and honey, a land in which you will eat bread without scarcity, in which you will lack nothing. And you shall eat and be full. And you shall, and you shall bless your Lord, the Lord your God, for the good land He has given you. So manna was a preparation for a better bread, a, a better experience that they were looking ahead to. And he would fill them up, and they would have no lack, bread without scarcity, satisfied. But the Lord would warn them in, in that same chapter. He would warn them that after they were full, they'd been filled up, and they had all these blessings, that they would be careful to not neglect. And all this provision, after they had been eaten, and they were all full, and they built houses, that they would their hearts would be lifted up in pride. That they would look around and say, look what we have done. Look what we have created. Look what we've provided for ourselves!" And that they would forget God. They would... Leave him. That Israel would forget, so the Lord would send prophets, and he would speak God's words, and Israel, would return, and Israel would return in faith to him. And so he would send men like Elisha, who was a protege of Elijah. They would testify to Israel's wrong, and they would, they would speak both words of judgment and words of promise. And at times, God would work miracles and signs through them to point them to God himself. At one point, there was a great famine, and a man came bringing an offering to the prophet Elisha. We see this in 2 Kings chapter 4. The man bringing the man of God, Elisha, bread of the first fruits, twenty loaves of barley and fresh ears of grain in his sack. And Elijah said, "Give to the men that they may eat." But his servant said, "How can I set this before a hundred men?" So he repeated, "Give them to the men." that they may eat. For thus says the Lord, they shall eat and have some left. So he said it before them, and they ate and had some left, according to the word of the Lord. Somehow in God's miraculous power, through the word of the Lord, multiplication took place, and they all ate, they all were fed, and there was some left. It was a picture of God's power through the word of the prophet and God's provision. The nations continued to experience their up and downs, their waywardness, more than being with in step with God's word. And, and God often used this imagery of shepherding to describe the care for his people and what the leaders of God's people should be like. They were charged to care for them and protect them and provide for them. And often he was connected to the kings like David but we often see the rebuke as well that would come to these leaders in judgment because of their failure to shepherd God's people properly. They preyed on the people like a uh, on the sheep and rather than feeding them and caring for them, they would take advantage of them and bring destruction and abuse them. But God was faithful to his people. Even in the failure of those human shepherds to do as they would, God said he himself would be faithful to shepherd his people. We see this example in Ezekiel chapter 34. For thus says the Lord God, Behold, I I myself will search for my sheep and will seek them out. I will feed them with good pasture, and on the mountain heights of Israel shall be their grazing land." there they shall lie down in good grazing land and on rich pasture they shall feed on the mountains of Israel i myself will be their shepherd of the shepherd of my sheep and i myself will make them lie down declares the lord god and he promises this and i will set up over them one shepherd my servant david and he shall feed them and he shall feed them and be their shepherd so israel's rich history painful, riddled with conflict, with rebellion and returning to God through God's call. It's rich with God's grace. It's rich with God's mercy and faithfulness and promises and this anticipation, this longing of one shepherd from the line of David who will be God and who will care for his people and will feed them and will bring him into this picture of rest. So, With that in view, let's then move now to Mark chapter 6 as you've been holding that before you. Now remember as we read this, our question for Mark given to us, this identity of Jesus. Who is this? Who is this Christ, this Jesus that we're reading about? Verse 31, And he, Jesus, said to them, Come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went out in the boat to a desolate place by themselves. Now many saw them going and recognized them, and they they ran there on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. And when he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things, And they took up 12 baskets full of broken pieces of the fish. And those who ate the loaves were 5,000 men. All four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all have this narrative of the feeding of the 5,000 in them. It's a familiar story. It's probably in all parents, all in your children's Bibles. So let's take a moment just to walk through this familiar story passage that we just read. The disciples that we saw last week, they're returning from their first mission trip that Jesus had sent them out to, there's 12 apostles, and they come back and they are, they're exhausted. Jesus is exhausted. So busy, no time to even eat, it says. So they retreat. Jesus says, let's go away to a desolate place, to a, to a re- remote place to find some rest. Three times, you maybe picked up on that, we saw that word desolate place. In our passage, it actually can be translated wilderness, as we've seen through Mark already. Now, don't miss miss that word. So they get in a boat. They probably traverse along the shore to kind of get down quicker, but Jesus is in this rock star status at this moment. They somehow clue into where he's going, and it says that the crowd runs on foot to meet them before they get there. Now, we need to realize this is no tiny group of people. We see an, in our last verse there, verse 44, it was, there was 5,000 men, 5,000 men, specifically male. And so it's likely there could have been anywhere between ten and 20,000 people with women and children in this crowd. This is a massive crowd, a massive group of people. And this, is, this must stun us about Jesus as we see what happens. Jesus is here getting out of this boat and he sees the crowd and we know he is exhausted. He's needing rest. He is hungry. He's been giving and ministering and giving and ministering and he sees the crowd and what I would be tempted to do is get Impatient and angry and disturbed by this annoyance that I now have to be dealt with, and Jesus is moved to the opposite. He is moved with compassion. He is moved with, with compassion, and it, and it tells us why. Because they were like sheep without a shepherd. They were without leadership. They didn't have a Moses or a David. They they needed guidance. They needed protection. They needed provision. They needed a shepherd in that moment. And Jesus was burdened by this, moved by compassion. And what does he do? What does it tell us he does? It says he begins to teach them many things. He gives them his word. He's moved by compassion, by this shepherdless people, and he begins to teach them. And this has been pattern we've seen so far in Mark. When he, he sees the crowds or he enters into the synagogue, he is teaching them. So he's teaching him them his word. And we don't know how long he was teaching, but it, we presume it's been hours. It's getting late, and the people are famished and hungry, and the disciples Begin to inform Jesus because he probably was not aware at, at all of the time of day it was or the condition of the people. And the disciples tell him the hour is late. We're in this wilderness. We need to release the people to go around to the area and buy some food. And then Jesus, once again, stunning and challenging to his disciples, tells them, you give them something to eat. You feed this people. Now, we just need to just put ourselves in that place. You were surrounded with, let's say, 20,000 people. There are crying babies who are hungry. There are agitated moms. There's hangry dads. And they've been there all day listening. And Jesus turns to you and says, go and feed all of these people. And it just sounds a bit ludicrous. I mean, we got we to gotta, we gotta put ourselves in that place. Jesus, do you see this crowd around us? Where are we going to get food to do this? And where, where are we going to get money to do this? Jesus, money does not grow on trees. With all these people, one of the disciples or a group of them communicate, this, this, this would take over 200 denarii to feed all of these people with some bread. Now, one denarius is a day's wages, so this is easily over a half of year of somebody's salary. Jesus, do you do you know how many thousands and thousands of dollars it's going to take for us to go buy some bread to provide food for these people? We don't have that. Where are we going to get this? And so Jesus challenges them: How many loaves? How many loaves of bread do we have then? Go and see. So the disciples found out, and they find five loaves and two fish. I thought when I when I read this. At times, out of, out of 20,000 people, that's all they could find. Uh, but apparently that's all they gathered. And they give it to Jesus. And then Jesus commands the people to sit on the green grass, all of them in groups of 50s and 100s. And then Jesus takes these loaves and he takes this fish and he, he blesses it and he breaks it. We don't know what he prays, but he gives it to the disciples. And in this moment, some some miraculous moment happens and there is a multiplication of this food and a dispersion of this food in among all of these people. I remember even when I was young, I thought, how did that happen? Like, is it, I just kind of picture like, a, is there a Mary Poppins sort of basket and things just keep coming out of the basket? And then, like, what size are the baskets? I mean, are they full? Are, are the fish dead? Are they, are they alive and flopping around? Is the bread hot? Is it like freshly cooked? I don't know. We don't get answers to those things. But there was some miraculous moment, and everyone among them all were fed. They ate, and it says they were satisfied, meaning they were full. They were so full, everyone couldn't eat anymore, but they had leftovers to take with them 12 baskets. Maybe one for each disciple. This is stunning. This is a, a stunning moment. Everyone ate. The crowd ate. Jesus provided food for everyone. Now, there's certain things we could sort of draw to this, and some people have maybe sort of pressed, maybe a moralistic teaching that, you know, we need to share our th- little things and, with other people, and maybe there's some consideration to that. Maybe some twisting of that, and Josh mentioned earlier the, the prosperity gospel that we just sow our little seed and somehow God's gonna bless and make, make us rich in some way. That's not, that's not accurate. Remember our intention here. It's not primarily about us that Mark is writing about. It's not about morals. It's about the identity of Jesus. What does this text tell us about Jesus, What does this reveal about Jesus Christ? So if you were there with a multitude and there's a teacher and he's in a, you're in a desolate place, you're in the wilderness and there is this miraculous appearance of bread and meat and the teacher is speaking God's word with power and authority, where would your mind go? What would you be thinking we we'll pull in what we just read earlier. This is a prophet of God. This is a prophet of God. The Lord, Yahweh, is now feeding his people again. And he's doing it through this man named Jesus, who's claiming to be the son of God, the prophet of God. But like Moses, it's greater. And he's feeding the multitude in the wilderness, but the bread isn't falling from heaven it's not the bread from the sky. It is flowing from him. It is flowing from Jesus himself. Jesus is giving them bread, but, but he's satisfying a greater need than just their stomachs. He is giving them his word. That's what compelled him with compassion, and he teaches. He gives them the word. Deuteronomy 8.3 Man will not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Yahweh, God. Moses did give the people the words of God and he mediated nourishment and life to the people. But there is a greater word. When we read Mark, when we read this happening, there is a a new prophet, a new covenant people, a new provision Through the word of God, and this word is a person, the person of Jesus Christ. And more than Elijah or Elisha's bread miracle, something greater is among them. A greater shepherd is among them. This is a fulfillment of Ezekiel 34. And I will set up over them one shepherd, and he shall feed them. And he shall feed them and be their shepherd. This is what is happening here in this multitude feeding. The prophet Isaiah saw a day in Isaiah 55, we see, because of the compassion of the Lord, a feast was promised, a banquet that would come through the words of a promised Messiah. Look at this text. Come, this is the beckoning, come everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, and he, he who has no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligent to me and eat what is good and delight yourself in rich food. Incline your ear, come to me, hear that your soul may live, and I will make make with you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast, sure love for David." Jesus is inaugurating this reality. He's welcoming all to eat for that which they did not buy or they did not make or that they did not create. There's an earthly bread that will satisfy temporarily. And Jesus is coming and showing that there is a bread that is offered through him that our hearts most need that will truly be satisfying to us. And then he invites us, hear, hear that your soul may live. And we are to live by the words of Jesus and his gospel and live by receiving him. This is what Jesus would say in John 6, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Jesus is the bread of life. Do you believe today? Do you believe that truth? Have you come to him, the bread of life, and trusted upon this Son of God, Shepherd, Savior? This is what Mark is drawing our attention to in this text that this is the person of Jesus revealed, fulfilling what the prophets of old, what the Old Testament had anticipated. But there's more here for us that we can draw our hearts to that I believe the Lord would bring to us to, to encourage us. Jesus Jesus was getting away for rest. So stunning to me. The one who was going to get rest ended up sacrificing his rest so that others could find a bountiful meal in front of them and eat and be satisfied. Full hearts and full bellies flows from this compassionate Savior. And church, he's inviting us to rest in him. He's inviting us to rest, a a satisfaction that only will come through, through him that our hearts most need, that he knows we need. Netflix and Mexico vacations are good. Those are gifts. I had one at the end of last year and it was glorious. But in the end, it's not what my heart and my soul most needs. We need a rest that comes through being near Jesus, that comes through his words, that comes through his presence. But like Israel, we can disregard him as our source of life. There's, there's many things that we just sort of gather around us and we, we, we neglect to see him as the one who's going to satisfy for us. We're always eating something and like, like dumb sheep, we think, we think trash is nourishment to us. I'm guilty of that myself. Eating the wrong things too much in the end, they'll kill us. I don't know, you probably noticed this at a grocery stores. They, they have milk at the very back of the grocery store, and what is right there in front of you as you walk in? Doritos and Dr. Pepper on sale. They want you to see that right there in front, easily accessible, on sale, and it's, and it's the junk food that's there. And the world is the same way. Our hearts are prone to the same thing. It's right there before us, the things that will not satisfy, the things that won't truly nourish us. And we're prone to just stuff our hearts with those things to somehow satisfy that empty thing. And I don't know what that empty thing is for you today. Maybe that thing you're trying to numb. Maybe it's, maybe it's the thing that you're trying to satisfy with, with money or food or porn or a relationship Maybe it's overworking to escape from that thing. I'm not sure what that is, but Jesus Jesus is offering himself to us. See his compassion for you today. See his compassion for you maybe in your restless heart, and he's he's drawing near to you, and he wants to feed you. He wants to feed you with himself. He wants to feed you with his word. He wants to satisfy your heart at the most deepest level. And I think that's why maybe the psalmist would capture prayers like Psalm 90 because he he knew his heart was prone to other things, even right away in the morning. Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love, O Lord, that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Keep my heart satisfied in you, Lord. That's what I need today. That's our prayer What's, what's strange is this glaring absence, and what we've seen in other parts of Mark is the reactions of the crowd or the words and reaction from the disciples. It's like we're just left with, behold Jesus. See him. Don't be distracted with the crowd's ideas or the disciples' responses. Behold the prophet of God, behold the leader, the shepherd, the bread of life, the one providing abundance and feast and rest, and he's wanting us to see him. He's wanting us to trust in him. He's wanting us to believe on him today. He wants to give rest to his disciples. And he wants us to find rest even in all the labors that we're participating in. I mean, this is, this is Jesus' miracle here. But notice, he wants his disciples to gladly participate, even in what appears to be their cluelessness. I mean, we saw in an amazing example earlier in chapter 6, Jesus using them, and they, they come now, and he's still allowing them to be a part of this. I mean, Jesus commanded them to feed the crowd, and then he asked them to gather up whatever they had, the five loaves and two fish, and he uses them to be sort of the waiters to serve everyone. And sort of in the end, they were the ones that fed the crowd. He wanted them to be involved, even in their weariness, even in their weakness, even in their struggling faith. He empowers them to what was naturally seems to their minds and their eyes couldn't be possible. He used them. He met them, even as they kept going. And so whatever your striving is like right now, rest in the Lord. Rest in him. Be satisfied in him. Maybe it's, it's the Lord calling you, busy, busy Martha, to, to sit down and, and hear his words. And let us not neglect to remember this, this word to these first hearers in Mark, these believers that were in Rome facing persecution. And the Lord is just reminding them, much like he's reminding us, Whatever that wilderness, whatever that desolate place looks like, whatever that that struggle to find rest, Jesus is saying, I give life. I give life and I give life abundantly. So, Saint, whatever that that desolate place you're in, that wilderness, maybe it feels like everything is, is going well and everyone's feasting around you, but it just feels like you're famished. Draw near to Christ today. Draw near to the shepherd an overseer of your soul, laborer, mom, dad, weary. It's so beautiful that that Jesus told them to sit down in the green grass, fulfilling the promise of that great shepherd in our anxious hearts. Psalm 23's promise that he makes me lie down in green pastures and he restores my soul. Rest in him. Let him restore your soul. Feast on Jesus' love and comfort today. And you're not excluded even by what you feel like pushed you, pushed you out away from this ability to draw near. I mean, what's interesting is God's mercy, Jesus' mercy. There's a bunch of people in this crowd who would probably never follow him. And yet he's feeding them. Yet he's giving them Food and this merciful kindness and much like Israel's grumbling in their wilderness and their weakness and in our foolishness we can come back to him. We can come back to him and feast. Ultimately what, what provides this access is what Jesus did later what we see in Mark. The Old Testament, there were many condemnations of how the leaders of Israel were abusing and failing to love and provide for and protect the people because they were selfish. They, were, they sought their own glory and their own pride and their own name. And God promised that he himself would come as a shepherd who would not seek his own glory and people to serve him, but that he would come as a servant to serve others. Jesus Jesus didn't come taking and wounding and starving the sheep. He he came to to give of himself, to to fill, to bless. He is the good shepherd who would give give more than food. He he would give his life, church. We know this. John writes in his account in the same moment of the feeding of the 5,000 that That the crowd came and they were about to come and take him by force and make him king. What they wanted was some military resistance to Rome, to overthrow them physically. But this was not the Messiah's plan. This is not where he was going. His path as the son of God, as the the shepherd king, was not this earthly crown. It was a, a crown of thorns that he was moving towards. He was moving towards a path where he would be broken. Mark 14 captures this for us. As they were eating, he took the, bo- the bread, and after blessing it, he broke it and gave it to them and said, take this, this is my body. He was broken, church. His body was broken, and he gives us himself. He gives us himself to us that we may have life. He is this bread of life, and by giving of himself on the cross, we will have ultimate satisfaction, church. Here, here in part, but here we can, and more fully one day, eternally with him in his presence. That that one day where we will feast, where we will feast, and the bread will come endlessly because we will be with him. And so, Let's draw near to him today. Let's move towards Jesus Christ today to to feed upon him, his word, his presence so that we could be satisfied today. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord, thank thank you for not withholding yourself, but your sacrificial picture is even seen in Mark 6 at self-denial so that others could be fed, that others could hear your word and taste of your word and, and in turn have access to you, Jesus. Lord, our hearts are prone to wander, prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. Prone to satisfy my heart on other things, other than the thing that will truly satisfy. And Jesus, you were broken, you were poured out so that you could come and by faith, we could turn to you, Jesus, and find the deepest satisfaction that our our heart desperately needs. Lord, let us come in faith today. Lord, if we're weary, let us eat, Let let us find rest today. But if we're wandering and we're filling our hearts with things that, the garbage that will in turn kill us, would you let us turn from those things? Let us turn in repentance and faith and feast upon you, Jesus, your word and your presence. But those who, are, who just feel desolate in wilderness, Lord, would you come, Jesus, and meet them? Let them behold you, Jesus, right there, in among them in that desolate place, ready to feed, ready to nourish, ready to replenish their hearts with, with hope and joy and peace. Thank you for being our good shepherd, Lord.